Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. As always, I don't know where you're listening to my show live or on podcast or what time of day or night it is for you. So thus, a good morning, good afternoon, and evening. And today is just a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and I can't wait to see the Tom Hanks movie when it comes out because I just love Mr. Rogers because he asked such really great questions and really shared with us how we can find out who we really are as people. And my guest today is somebody I've wanted to have on the show for so long. And finally, the other day, we were talking, we're like, oh, yeah, how come we haven't done that yet? (laughs) So thankfully, she was able to say yes, and we came up with a date. And I have the amazing, amazing Kathy Tejanal on the show with me today. You may know her as Agent 99, Bob Burns, Maxwell Smart, And if you've been listening to the show or know anything about me, you know that Bob Berg is one of my mentors and dear friends. And Kathy is is just one of those people that everybody should know. Um, She's the captain of her own ship. She's a geek who loves marketing, yet most of all loves helping others find their real M.O. So, Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laura. It is such an honor to be with you today, and I'm just really looking forward to this, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Oh, you know, we've known each other for a lot, a lot of years. We we haven't spent a lot of time directly, like, hanging out on the phone, talking or in person, but we've, we've hung out in our own ways for years, and there's so much that so many people don't know about you beyond the go-giver world that you spend so much of your time in. And I'm so glad that we're getting to do this today because you you do some work that nobody, that a lot of people don't know about but need to. And I, I want to talk about that today because before the show started, you talked about how you originally wanted to be a heart surgeon. And I didn't know that about you. I, I've known you as a geek, right? The engineering background, the IT background, the you know the chief marketing officer, all of that. But I didn't know that you started out wanting to be a heart surgeon and realized it wasn't for you. How, how did you come to that decision? Because it really turns out you've helped so many other people find out really what they're meant to do. Thank you. Yes, it. I mean that it goes back to you know in high school my dream was to become a heart surgeon. I remember writing my senior paper on the Jarvik Seven. If anyone remembers the first artificial heart replacement, um, I was that geeky into it, and I went off to Northwestern University to study biomedical engineering. I thought that was going to be a great pre-med prep, right? And that year, I got to observe surgery. I spent a whole day, and I think I saw three different surgeries. And um, it was there was a brain surgery, a liver transplant, and an open heart. And, I mean, it, it was amazing. But there was at one moment, I remember, I think it was in the third surgery, and there's rock music playing and the surgeons are talking and I stepped back and you know how they have the screen so you can't see the person's face 
from at least that's how it was back then. And I had stepped back enough because something just didn't feel right. And I saw the person's face and I just had this sense of, you know, this is a human being on this table and we're playing rock music. And it just, from that moment, I realized I was not going to become a heart surgeon. And I really went down a path more of looking for holistic um, alternative medicine, that type of thing. But it also left me like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm not going to be a doctor. What am I going to do? Um, and I thought, well, everything's electrical. Everything's energy, right? Right. <laughs> so I, I switched my major to electrical engineering because I thought I could surely get a job with that. <laughs> so that... Um, you know, major change my freshman year of college, you know, really set me off on a, on a different path. Um, and it wasn't until many years later, um, so I'm going to kind of give away my age here. So I was in college from 83 to 87. It wasn't in 2002 when I discovered Cassie Colby's work um, and her Colby assessment. And that really made me understand what I intuitively or even instinctually knew why heart, being a heart surgeon wasn't going to be for me. So, you know, what the Colby assessment helped me understand that there's this part of our mind, while we, we're all really familiar with our cognitive, you know, the thinking, what we can and can't do, all of our learned experience and um wisdom and experience that we've gained over the years. And then we've got our personality, our passion, the emotional aspect of who we are. What are our values? What what are we truly passionate about? Why we want to do what we do. But then Kathy Colby has been one of the only people out there that really studied this third part of our mind that Aristotle and Plato theorized way back when, and that is the conative aspect. It's how we do what we do. It's our instinctive, creative energy. It's the drive that we have. That, you know, first, we, we've got to want to do something, right? Um, if you don't have that spark of desire, it doesn't matter whether you have the skills or the ability, you're not going to do it. But for me, that p- missing piece has been discovering what she calls the conative strength, the how we do what we do, because each of us are born with four innate strengths that will allow us to accomplish what we want to accomplish in our life. And that's what she's done so beautifully with her assessment. And I have spent, I was certified since 2005, you know, helping people understand that aspect. All three parts are critical. You can't have one without the other, but this one's been the missing link. And I'm still surprised at how few people are even aware of of this aspect. And, And that, to me, is really fascinating because I think I've gone through every single personality assessment that that is out there, you know, the strength finders, the Myers-Briggs, the fascinate, the this, the that, the other thing. And, you know, you, we talked about you wanted to be a heart surgeon and you went to electrical engineering. You know, I wanted to be an astronaut, but I realized <laughs> it wasn't, I wanted to be an astronaut in the Star Trek version of astronaut. Mm. <laughs> Me too. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're both total Star Trek geeks, so I totally get it. Bonded on a whole other plane of existence, Kathy. (laughs) 
Right. And, you know, my way of getting to be an astronaut was to go down the computer and technology route. And then I ended up realizing, well, you know, I want the Star Trek version. So I, I went into corporate doing IT, doing technical writing, and then got my master's in management. So I went into facilitation and team building and, and all these other things and started my own tech services company. Not necessarily the path I had planned, but things sort of developed and grew. You know, then I wrote a book. Now I've got a radio show. And what I've always found, no matter how much I love all those other indexes, I always felt there was something sort of missing. And then you had me do and prep for the show the Colby Index for myself. And, and I have to tell you this, Kathy, because, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what my purpose is since my mom passed away and, and who I am now where I'm not accountable to anybody really except for myself. And I'm answering these 36 questions, and I said to myself, I don't like any of these answers that I can choose from. How is this even going to possibly tell me anything about myself? Because I'm like, well, I don't like either of these answers. The right answer for me would be something not there. And then the report came back, and I went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Was it, did it feel validating to you? It, it, in a lot of ways, it did, and it told me things about myself, you know, and, and you and I haven't had a chance to talk about it or anything. But for me, what's so fascinating is we have these sort of, what we think are default action modes, but we don't really understand them. And a lot of times, and I notice this with my clients as well, we go down a road of where we feel we're supposed to go, either because of family pressure or an external pressure. But it's not necessarily who we really want to be for ourselves. How do you address that for somebody? I think that Colby does a lot, but you do so much more with trying to help people figure those pieces out. It's not just what the numbers say. There's more to it. Yes, a lot more. And, and we do have to take all three aspects, you know, of who we are into account. But really starting, you know, most people... As you said, they've taken all those other assessments and they're well aware of those other aspects, but the Colby's usually been the missing piece. And for people to appreciate these natural strengths, because these are things you were never taught, but a lot of us, and I know for myself, it was like I just assumed everybody could do those things that I could do. And... Um, let me give you a little example so that people can understand what we're, we're talking about. So in one of the action modes, Kathy calls it the fact finder. And it has to do with our instinct to probe, to gather and share information. And it's a continuum. There's no right or wrong, good or bad. It's just where do you fall on this continuum? And at one end of the spectrum are people that are very specific they will go to the nth degree researching and gathering the data that's necessary. Then the opposite end of that continuum are individuals who are the simplifiers. They won't get bogged down in a lot of details. They'll just cut right to the chase. Here's the bottom line. 
here's the summary. This is what's most important. And then in the middle, I like to consider that Goldilocks, <laughs> is, you know, the people who have the ability to explain. They give just enough but not too much. You know, they can kind of respond to the situation and share what they're, you know, sensing is appropriate for the people they're with. You and I both have that um, as one of our strengths. We both explain. Um, you know, the Colby Index, you get a number, and that just kind of tells you the intensity. So you're a six in fact finder. I'm a five. So you're, you will go, you're more highly accommodating in that degree. So you'll go to a greater length at getting more information than even I would. Um, and the beauty of it is when we understand this about each other, you know, we can complement each other with the strengths that we have. We don't want to be cloning ourselves, especially in a business environment. If, if we're all have bring the same strengths, you know, we're missing some things. And you, um, so you want to find people that complement you. So like if you're in business or if you have a business partnership, you want to make sure that you complement each other. And I do have that wonderful relationship with Bob Berg, who um, I've worked with for over 10 years now. He is amazing, like you said, and I'm so blessed and honored to have him as a mentor and a business partner. But we, we do complement each, each other well. He is an initiating fact finder, meaning he leads with that strength. No surprise that he's an author. <laughs> and he's high highly accommodating in the quick start mode, which quick start has to do with our instinct to handle risk and uncertainty. So Bob and I are both sixes, so we match well there. We we can handle change. We're not big drivers of the change. I mean, he is in the sense of his message and the go-giver, you know, is, you know, a global phenomenon. Um, but for yourself, you're a seven in the quick start. So you do thrive on innovation, finding new ways to do things. So it's no surprise the kind of career that you've had and the things that you've done. And you have what Kathy Colby likes to call as the natural advantage. You are the quintessential entrepreneur, M.O., meaning you Start with looking at how you're going to innovate, how to change things up, but you quickly come in with the fact finder and you assess, well, what's the probability, you know, what are the pros and cons, what are the priorities, so you see opportunities and then you can quickly assess which ones are good ones for you to go with. Like you probably have tons of ideas that you don't even share with people because you're already kind of editing them down. Have you had that experience? It's really funny you say that because I had a coach I was working with at one point, and she said, write down every idea you've got that's just bubbling on your plate right now and email it to me. And it was like four pages long. <laughs> and she goes, well, well, here's the problem. We need to pick one <laughs> <laughs> so that you can get started. Just pick one. And I'm like, yeah, but, but I don't know which one to pick. And, you know, my, my listeners are, a lot of them are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs. They may be working a corporate position. They may be retired or a homemaker or, you know, a caregiver, 
And, and I know for myself, having taken care of my mom for six years, I kind of put everything on hold, but I still wanted to try to do something. But I wasn't sure what, what it is I wanted to do or how I should do things. And it's, it's fascinating to me because we don't really understand who we are. And I'd be curious, Kathy, does this change based on life situations or age? That is a great question, Laura. And actually, Kathy Colby's research, they've done 20-year test retests. It does not change. There's no statistical, um, you know, change. So you might become more, you know, your number might change within your zone of operation, but you are always going to be the initiating quick start. And you probably, if we went back to your childhood, we could see that in you. Um, that just the ideas that you were generating and your ability to, to handle change, right? Right. Yeah, so that so this is the one thing about us that really does not change. It doesn't change with our situation. What I will say is that sometimes learned behaviors will mask our instinctive strength because we are, we're having to cope with the situation. And, you know, we'll lose touch with how we naturally do something because we're being forced to do things a certain way. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit more because I get that question a lot from people. They're like, well, I can't do this or I can't do that because this is what has to happen or this is what needs to go on. And I often feel that it is like a learned behavior because of their situation, their circumstances of their life. They, they've had to learn to be that way and they get frustrated. How do you respond to somebody in that situation? Um, I, I would ask some questions. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're, you're so right on. It's always about the power of the questions that we ask. And it's sort of asking the questions to help them identify, is it what they're doing that they feel can't change, different, which is different than how they go about it. So once we understand our instinctive way of doing it, we can look at a situation and say, okay, Here's the result, the outcome we're looking for. Does it have to be that done in a specific way? Or is there a way that you could use your own strength to achieve that outcome? And that's especially as leaders, managers, if we have a team of people, we need to be careful that we don't think just because the way we do something that that's the only way it can be done. Um, because there's more than one way to do pretty much anything. <laughs> I mean, there may be a few things like that that have to be done, and and that's a situation. Well, then that's something that an individual shouldn't do. And and Lauren, I'm sure you've experienced this too. Just because you can do something doesn't mean it's something you should do, right? Oh, that's that's so funny that you said it in exactly the way you said it. Because I was just interviewed for a. Uh, cybersecurity podcast on privacy and things like that. And the whole conversation for me always goes back to just because we can, should we? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a struggle, though, for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially 
I would think if they are a quick starter or a fact finder that you're like, well, but yeah, let's go do this. This is really cool. So how do you temper that idea of just because we can, we should or shouldn't? Well, that's when the uh, cognitive part of our brain needs to kind of kick in and say, hmm, is this really what's going, you know, the best thing, the best use of our time, our energy, most importantly, our energy. And that is, that's, I feel like I'm hopping around, but one of the the most important things that I like people to understand once they, you know, understand what their instinctive strengths are, it really has a lot to do with the percentages of each strength that you have. And it's, I really, I no longer think about time management the same way. I don't focus on time. I really think about my energy and how am I going to allocate my energy in a given day. I have a certain percentage. Um, I actually initiate in what she calls the follow-through, and that is our instinct to pattern, how we will organize and design things. It's how much structure do we need in order to take action. So I'm a seven in the follow-through. So that's how I lead. If, if I have a, something I need to do, I will first plan it out or I'll think through what's the big picture, what needs to be done, and then just can easily sort of sequence out what the steps would be. That's one of my gifts. I never was taught how to do that. I just do that naturally. I love developing new programs, new businesses, that type of thing. Um, so my being sense. a three, what does that mean in follow-through? <laughs> <laughs> well, what that means is that you're a, you are highly flexible. You are the strength of what she calls your ability to adapt. So you do not necessarily always follow a system. You'll find the shortcut around the system, which is just as valuable as it is to create or develop a system, right? So you, you know, you have the gift of the true multitask. Now, multitask, we can only really physically do one thing at a given moment in time, but there are individuals like yourself who actually thrive when you have multiple projects that are going on and you can kind of flow between them and spend some Put in some time over here and get this little piece done and then hop over here and do that piece. Have you found that to work for you? Oh, yeah, especially in, in the tech world. You know, I'd, I'd look at an issue on somebody's, in somebody's business, and I, I always used to say, oh, I, I, I skipped over like 10 steps. And they're like, but you do things faster. I don't understand it. I'm like... Well, I just saw that I can get there from here, so why did I have to do these things? I'll just do that. (laughs) That's right, and that's your gift, and that is so needed so that we don't get bogged down in the system. You you know, you help make the system better because you find the shortcut. Um, Now, the, the challenge you may have faced is people who adapt, especially in the world, like in education, why can't you just finish what you started? Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that is not your strength. Your strength, you are the, you create the innovation. 
you'll come up with a new and different way. You're constantly thinking, well, how can we do this? Well, what about that? Okay. So that's where your energy is at. And then your highly accommodating fact finder kicks in and it assesses, it prioritizes. Then All right, and hold that thought, Kathy, because we're going to yeah. talk about that when we come back from the national news. We are here with the amazing Kathy Tejanel talking about your MO, the true culture of your group, of your organization, who you are, what drives you, because action drives performance. Let's understand how you can achieve your peak performance. We'll be right back and um, start thinking about who you really are as a person. Welcome back, everyone. If you missed the first half of the show with Kathy Chajanal, we're talking about your MO, your modus operandi, you know, your cognitive, cognitive, not cognitive, but cognitive strengths and how they fit. You know, it's the power behind performance. And during the break, Kathy and I were talking about all sorts of different things. And uh, Kathy, you know, we had this conversation where I mentioned the movie Gattaca and you said you've seen it with Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. And I had this thought about, you know, everybody takes these different assessments, you know, the Myers-Briggs, the Strength Savers, now this Colby Index that you introduced me to, which I find is one of the best I've, I've ever done, especially since every question got me annoyed. Because <laughs> I'm like, it's not, it's not the right answers, but, you know, at the end of it, I really saw that it, it got to who I am. But the movie Gattaca talks about, you know, like genetic testing and that, you know, you have a predisposition to heart things or this or that, so therefore... You, this is the career you can go into. Yeah, and you, you won't be able to do anything else, and the government tracks you into that whole lifestyle. But this really isn't Gattaca, correct? This is... Thankfully. <laughs> right? I, I feel yeah. like it's not Gattaca. It's something else. Talk about that. Yes, and you, you mentioned it during the break, that, that this doesn't box you in. It does the opposite. It's... And this is one of my favorite quotes from Kathy Colby. She says that her definition for success is the freedom to be yourself. And that's been part of her life's mission with her her work with the Colby assessment is to help give people more information so they can be free to be who they are. So even though you would learn what your MO, you know, your four numbers, if you will, your four strengths, that doesn't box you in. What it does is it liberates you and it shows you you have what you need to accomplish whatever you want. Um, it doesn't mean you have to do everything all by yourself. And to me, that's the, the beauty of life. It's really the, the sweetness, the juices in our relationships and, and, you know, working with other people. And that's why in business it's so much fun when you're working with people and you're tapping into one another's strength. So this definitely doesn't, and she definitely says, you know, this is not a cop-out. You don't just say, well, I don't do that because that's not my strength. You, you know, you find somebody who can do it if it's something that's definitely not your strength. But it helps you see, here's your strength zone. Here's where I want to be playing most of the time because you will be in a state of flow when you are going with your grain. And I think everyone out there can 
remember at least one time, if not more, in their life when they worked against their grain. It was painful, right? You felt like it took twice as long to get something done. Um, so that's as important to know, you know, so that you don't put yourself in those situations. And then when you're thinking about what you want to do, maybe, and I've been there, you've done things because you thought that's what was expected of you. And your learned behaviors can, can mask your instincts, but only for so long. Your, you will, your soul will <laughs> let you know that it wants to thrive and if it's not able to. And I have just found that this work has, I, I just love when, you know, people, they just start to shine. It's, you know, the light bulb goes on and they're like, oh, my gosh, that's why my day was, you know, I was doing things backwards. If I just flip things around, um, you know, I now end the day with as much energy as I start. And that's a really good sign. Look at your day. Do you end the day and you're wiped out? If that's the case, then you really need to take a look at your your instinctive energy and how are you utilizing it during a given day. I'm laughing because as you were just describing all of that, you know, end of the day and all of these other things, you know those mazes that you have to start at the beginning and with your pen or your pencil and find your way out to the end of the maze? Mm-hmm. I have always, since I was a little girl, I've started at the end. <laughs> I, I rarely start at the beginning of the maze. I normally I start at the end of the maze, the exit, and then I wind my way back to the beginning. And it's sort of how I've done a lot of things in business. What's the end result I want? And then I wind my way back to what are the steps and the path I need to take to get me there. And I think if I'm putting it together right, my call the action mode, that fits. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. It does. Okay. So there's nothing. And I always thought that was me cheating, but it's not. <laughs> no, that's your way of, of doing things. And that, that's needed, that's necessary, and it's a gift. Um, just like other people who will sequence it out from the start to the end, you know, there's a time and place where we need that um, in our businesses and in our in our lives and the you know recreation that we we do. I quickly want to touch on an, an idea that this this conative energy that we have um, we have a limited amount. But the beautiful thing, Kathy Colby likes to say, we all have a hundred herbs. And if we've gotten a good night's sleep, when we wake up, our tank is full. And we're ready to go. And means now, I guess we're used to our physical energy. You can work so long out in the yard, and then you got to rest. Well, the same with our mental energy, which is what this striving energy is. So we wake up, we've got a full mental tank, and then um, how are we spending that energy during our day? And if we fully depleted ourselves, we need to come home and we need to do nothing. And sometimes it's important that we allow our energy, our mental energy, to recharge. And one thing, if you, and we all, we, we get those little clues, our, our mind's trying to tell us that, ooh, I'm getting a little mentally fatigued. What you need to do is switch modes, switch gears. So if you were reading a contract 
or reading through a very lengthy report and you start to feel fatigued. And depending where you're at on that fact-finding continuum, if someone's a three in fact-finder, they're going to get fatigued maybe after a half an hour of reading, whereas someone who's a seven or an eight, they could probably read for several hours before they might start feeling fatigued. But once you start getting that sense you're getting fatigued, switch gears. Stop reading, get up, go walk around for a few minutes, go have a conversation, make a phone call, because phone verbal, that's your quick start energy, you use that. So out of, you know, we have our four action modes, you can visualize this with me, you have your fact finder, your follow through, your quick start, and then the implementer. We'll come back to that one in a moment. And there are these three zones within each of those modes. If you're you know, at a 7 to 10 is your score. You initiate. That means if I give you a problem to solve, you're going to start there with that. So, Laura, if I give you something to do, you're going to start looking at, well, what's possible? What about this? You know, what are ways we could innovate it? Very future kind of oriented. Um, for myself, I'm going to see where the plan, how it fits into the big picture, right? Right. And then in the middle is... Um, the accommodating range from a four to a six. You and I are both explainers in the fact-finding mode. And then one to three are the people who, the energy that counteracts and everything, since this is energy, it's about a balance. It's how we prevent problems. So as an adapter, you prevent us from getting bogged down into bureaucratic systems. So we need your help. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Just like in the fact finder, we need the simplifiers so we don't get so bogged down in all the information. We need somebody to come in and say, okay, here's the summary. This is the three important things, right? So that's key. And then the same with the quick start. You know, we, on the one end, we have all the people who are innovating, wanting to do it different every day. Well, we need people who stabilize, the people who are going to keep the well-oiled machine running. That is their gift. They will change, but they need to understand what's staying the same so that they can make that change. And now let's talk just briefly this implementer. It really has to do with our instinct to handle space and tangible. So it's about how hands-on you are, not whether you get things done or execute, implement them. It's about how much hands-on do you do when you take action. So those who initiate are going to be the builder type. They're out working with their hands all day long. They never get tired. Think you're a mechanic, um, a construction builder, that type of individual. In the middle, like yourself or your four, you are the person who can fix things. And a no surprise that you were in IT and could deal with all the computers and the cabling, that type of thing. You can easily sort of restore things. So if my copier machine broke, I would come to you <laughs> because you could probably yeah. go, oh, let me just open this and pull that out, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, a friend um, called me last night. He couldn't get his printer to work. And I'm like, do this. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> like, I've been working on it for two days. I'm like, why didn't you call me sooner? <laughs> Oh, you were so wonderful. And then there are people who envision. So we're the people that are not hands-on. We don't need to touch it. We can see it in our mind's eye. Um, 
So as you can see, there are these 12 strengths. We can do all 12 of them, but it's how long can we? And we each have four that are our natural gifts, our talents that we're born with. No one's taught us how to do it. And when we can tap into that, it's unlimited what we can accomplish and how freeing and in such a state of flow we can be. The whole idea of carnation to me is revolutionary because so many of the other indexes, which I'm a fan of, everyone has a place mm-hmm. and tells you another piece of it, they, yeah. they seem to stop in a way where I could take them out. And, and I've done that. You know, I've specifically answered those in a specific way, and I've been able to change the results. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do that with this. The way the questions were worded and the answers that were available, it felt like it literally took my conscious mind out of it. Does that make sense? Because it really felt like I couldn't go to develop or an answer or make you think I'm a certain way. It took all of that out of the picture. Yes, because of the way the questions are asked, it's really getting specifically at how you take action. So it, it, people can try to kind of fake out the test, but it, it will actually, it can identify if someone's, you know, trying to play with how they're answering the question. Um, and there's, and, and I, I do want to share something because if someone does decide to take this, so at any given point, 10% of the population is going through a transition, um, and the report will pick it up. And it's identifying that the person is temporarily kind of out of sync with how they naturally do something. And that is usually created by a major life change. Someone may have lost a loved one, someone may have lost a job, they may be getting married. Any of those big life changes, you know, that are the big stressors in our lives, they can throw us out of kilter because we're being forced to do things in a way that are not our natural way. And her index will actually pick that up and and then it has great questions that it asks to try and help the person, you know, identify where this might be coming from, and then it's just a matter of time when the person could retake the assessment. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, because I know if I had taken this perhaps two years ago right after my mom died, mm-hmm. or just before my mom died, I, I probably would have ended up number-wise pretty close to where I am, but when I was answering some of the questions, I probably would have had the thought, yeah, I would answer it that way, but right now I need to answer it this way. And I would have really had to think hard to remind myself, no, this is about who I am and not who my circumstances are. What my circumstances are. The circumstances are not who. Well, in the case of taking care of mom, it was a who. But <laughs> right, right, right. 
Yeah, so that's a very difficult time that you went through, and I wouldn't be surprised if you had taken it then that you would have shown up in a transition because you may have been having to do things during your care that was maybe not allowing you to be the adapter that you naturally are because you might have been having to do things on a specific schedule day in and day out or something like that. Yeah. Although I know with my my mom, it was a, I was tired of adapting. I wanted I wanted things to stabilize, and mm. everything was constantly changing. I never knew from an hour or a day to day what I was going to have to deal with in that day. So I I, I feel like my adapting got burned out. And does that happen yeah. for people? that because of a a position they're in, a career they've taken, a life circumstance, that one of their four action modes gets so overused that it almost fries them? Yes, you can. You know, burnout is when you are really working against your brain and forcing yourself to do things in in a way that is not your natural way. So, yes, that's that is, there's a lot of people that are experiencing that. Um, and it's where we really need to take, take a step back and look at our energy and how, how are we using, utilizing it, can we change so that we are more in our flow state and not working against our grain. And so you can re-energize by doing nothing. Be sure to give yourself downtime when you're tr- not trying to strive to do something. Nature is one of the best ways to regenerate your energy. All of us have some amount of the implementer energy. Some have a lot more than others. But so just a few moments if you can walk outside and take a little walk at the fresh air, the sunlight, that's very rejuvenating for all of us. It just activates all of our senses, and that's very powerful. And then the other thing is if you, in your work life, have, you know, certain energy that is not being tapped into in work, then your recreation, what you do for fun, you'll utilize that energy. So some people who may have a lot of implementer energy, but that's not their what they do for a living, then they'll spend their nights and weekends out cycling, running races, planting a garden, maybe love to cook. You know, they'll use that energy that way. And um, one thing to know, if you use up your energy during the workday, when you come home, like maybe you really are the person who organizes and, and does all of the development for the company, and then you come home and your house is a mess, you know, your your family members be like, you're, I don't see any of this, you know, follow through <laughs> strength here at home. But it's because you've used it all up during the day and there's nothing left over, you know, to to do. So that's another thing to, to think about. Um, And, Laura, if we have time, one thing I'd love to talk about is how we communicate, because I think that's something that we can all understand and apply. Okay, so we have about six minutes left, so go ahead. (laughs) And then I want you to share how people can find you and a a great opportunity to have for my listeners. So go for it. Thank you. Thank you. 
So communication is key. And first we need to understand how we need to communicate, how we need to take in the information. And that's based on how we, which mode we initiate from. So Laura, I'm gonna start with you. You initiate with the quick start, so it's verbal. So if I had an idea to share with you, I would first call you up and talk about it. And I think you, you'd be right there with me. And it's why you love to ask questions. You are verbal. But then secondarily, you know, the, the, the fact finder in you might want to have an email that puts it in writing and flushes it out, right? So if someone is an initiating fact finder, they communicate in the written word. So they'll want to read something, they'll want to write it down. Um, that's how best to communicate with them. Um, people like myself who initiate in the follow through, we're very visual charts, graphs, bullet points. Um, so I like to kind of draw a diagram, you know, as I'm thinking through a new idea. Any way that I can make it visual, I can take in so much more information with like a, a, a infographic or a pictogram, something like that, or a bar chart. Um, and then for our initiating implementers, the hands-on folks, they need to physically demonstrate something. If they're explaining, they're going to use their hands, they're going to pick things up and be showing you how to do. So all of you can probably just immediately say, oh yeah, I want to talk it out or I want to see it in writing or put it in writing or I, I need that visual or I want to touch it, right? <laughs> right. But then what's important is the people around us, we can't assume that everybody takes it, communicates the same way. So particularly in our businesses, um, we need to think about when we're communicating our marketing message, are we making sure it's accessible for all these action modes? Or are we just putting everything in writing and thinking that everybody's going to read all the details because only 20% of the population initiates in each one of those modes? So think of your website. One, I always put our phone number upper right corner. I want those quick starts to see my number and call me immediately. <laughs> <laughs> right, I get it. Hunting around for it. I want it to be very visually appealing and organized for those follow-throughs so they can skim and scan down the page and hone into what it is they want to see. I also want to provide a lot of backup documentation or areas that open up and give more detail for those fact finders who are going to want to dig, dig, dig deeper and what's there. And if there's any way that there's something that I can have for the implementers that might be able to download so they can physically touch something um, or something in a physical realm that they could do or in a way in which we could meet because those people are going to want to meet more in person type of thing. So just quick little ideas of how this really can apply and help you in terms of communicating your marketing and your sales messages. That would explain why for the last year and a quarter since I've had this sound-induced vertigo thing, especially since May when I had the surgery where I can, couldn't even tolerate a pin dropping, I've been so frustrated because my I want a verbal, and I haven't been able to. It's just been text or written or some other thing. That's really fascinating and why it shut me down as to what I could possibly do. Wow, we need to talk about that some more, Kathy. <laughs> yes, let's definitely. And thank you so much for this opportunity to talk with you today and share 
you know, this information with your listeners. If people want to know more, um, they can go to the gogiver.com. It's just all run together, T-H-E-G-O-G-I-V-E-R.com. That's our main website for Bob Berg and my work around the Go-Giver way and the Go-Giver message. And then if you want to know more about the Colby and would be interested in taking the assessment, go to the gogiver.com forward slash Colby, and that's K-O-L-B-E. And on that page, the index is $55. Um, I also have a package that I'll do a 30-minute debrief with you um, for $100. So you can pick whether which one you might want if that's something that interests you. Thank you for offering that to my listeners because I really, this, this um, the Colby method is so different behind how it, tells you about yourself. And like I had said to my listeners when I was taking it, Kathy, I felt like my conscious mind went away with the way the questions were asked. So I really got to understand something about myself that the other assessments never really showed me. So thank you for that. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with everybody. Oh, it is my honor. Thank you, Laura. All right, everybody, so if you want to find out more about Kathy Tejanel and the Colby Method, go to the gogiver.com slash Colby, K-O-L-B-E, and you can Google Kathy as well and find out all sorts of wonderful things about her. What I love about this episode is I want you to understand who you are, not who you want to be, but who you are, which will help you take yourself to the next level. Have a great day, everybody, and remember the right questions can change your life, so what are you asking today? Have someone you love. Have a great day. It's all about the questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.